Amen. All right, so uh, we're on page 143 in the paperback version of uh, the last day events. And it says, there's a little time of trouble before probation closes. At the commencement of the time of trouble, we were filled with the Holy Ghost as we went forth and proclaimed the Sabbath more fully. Now, when I was reading that, I was wondering to myself, what does that mean, proclaim the Sabbath more fully? Anyone want to offer their ideas on that? What does that mean to proclaim the Sabbath more fully? No one knows? <laughs> proclaim the Sabbath more fully. So if you're proclaiming the Sabbath, but now you're doing it more fully, just means with more earnestness, with more fervor, and with more of a recognition that the Lord is coming soon. Uh, we were just talking about telling people the real truth and not sugarcoating things. So proclaiming the Sabbath more truly or more fully would be not sugarcoating it so much. A lot of times we don't want to say things because we don't want to offend people. But as they say, if your house is on fire, you don't want people to try and coax you out. You want them to yell at you and say, get out of the house, it's on fire. So like that with the Sabbath too, at that point, Jesus is on his way. He's ready to come. And we don't need to keep sugarcoating it. We should tell people the real truth, the real truth as it is in his word. Uh, also, it goes on, it says, at the commencement of the time of trouble, it does not refer to the time of plague, but to a short period just before they are poured out, while Christ is still in the sanctuary. As Christ is in the sanctuary, the work of salvation is still going on. There will be trouble on the earth. The nations will be angry, yet not to prevent the work of the third angel. The third angel has a certain message. What do you think that is? What do you think the third angel's message is? I could barely hear someone speaking. The hour of the Lord's judgment has come. That's the part where it says, hold back the winds of strife till I seal my servants in their forehead. So that's the large, the big time of trouble won't happen until that's done. However, we don't have a date on when that's going to occur. We don't know when the judgment will be finished and the, the book's closed and the Lord will return. We just know that it's very, very close based on what we read in the scriptures and uh, Spirit of Prophecy writings. We know that it's very close. All the other signs and prophecies have been fulfilled except the Lord's return. So we want to be very careful that we don't try and pin a date on that. Uh, the, the people who have pinned dates on Christ's return have come up wrong. Actually, I think there's another group that has said this October or August, I think, I think it was August. Someone has said this August Christ will return to the earth. So we don't want to assume that that's necessarily true. We don't know when he's coming exactly. We just know that he is coming very soon. Also, another thing that's going to be going on during this uh, little time of trouble. Everyone here, we live in the land of the free, right? In the home of the brave. But here in America, religious liberty is going to come to an end. We spoke, talked about this earlier in one of our previous chapters. Religious liberty will come to an end. It sounds like that could never happen, doesn't it? And yet, we never thought we'd be uh, told to stay in our homes either. A lot of things we've been told to do that we never thought were possible. So that's just another thing that sounds like it would never happen. But it has been prophesied that the United States and other countries. So while the prophecy directly impacts the United States uh, in a certain manner, which we'll touch on, it's also going to be occurring in other countries. So if people think, well, when it happens, I'm going to flee to another country. Well, that's not going to save you because persecution is going to be worldwide. The persecution has is going to be worldwide because everyone is going to have to choose who we're going to serve, whether we're going to serve the laws of man or whether we're going to serve the laws of, of God. 
Now on page 144, page 144 down at the bottom, it says, and listen to this because it's very contradictory. The Protestants, the Protestants of the United States will be foremost. That means the first ones are the leaders and stretching their hands across the Gulf to grasp the hand of spiritualism. They will reach over the abbots to clasp hands with the Roman power. Why does, why does that sound ironic? The Protestants and reaching to touch hands with the Roman power. Anyone have any idea? Because they're Protestants protesting against the Romans. What do you mean protesting? They were protesting against the, the Protestants um, protested against the uh, Roman leadership and rejected the Roman church back in the day uh, and all of its doctrines and now they are becoming a part of them. Hmm. Anyone else have any idea what's ironic about Protestants and Catholics getting together? And the Catholics were the Catholics were um, were um, torturing and killing the, those who didn't believe or accept their doctrines, and so those are the Protestants. Okay. And also, the Protestants were the ones that were protesting the doctrine of the Catholic Church, and so the fact that they were protesting and that's how they started, and now they're joining up hands with them is 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 just crazy. Hmm. What about where Martin Luther King says Protestants and Catholics getting together? In his speech, I have a dream. In his speech, he said it's something about Protestants and Catholics getting together. I don't remember that part. Can you remind us? <laughs> Y'all don't remember that part? Okay. He I mean, I remember. I remember the parts that I remember is that that. Jews and Gentiles, and Catholics. Oh well, he said Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics. Yep. Right. He's talking about all joining hands and singing free at last, or coming together as a people. But yep. what we're talking about is religious and civil power coming together to persecute God's people. So that's right. different. Uh, right. In fact, when the Protestants and the Catholics get back together, their union is going to be worse in terms of persecution than the original time when the, just the Protestants were doing it. And I'd like to back up a little bit back to Martin Luther King. It's an interesting thing because he was fighting for civil rights, uh, which were the result of slavery that uh, Africans, Americans, and Africans that came over had no rights. And so he was trying to establish rights for these people who had been enslaved and been maltreated, et cetera, et cetera. But also in his speech talking about, because I didn't know that was in there, I paid attention before, Protestants and Catholics, he, um, the Catholic Church was at the hymn and at the very beginning of the start of slavery, ratified it and legalized it and, you know, um, was all for it. So that's a very interesting thing that he said that. Very interesting. So when the groups come together, they're going to be even more powerful in terms of punishing those who keep God's commandments and the faith of Jesus. Uh, that's called the image of the beast. The original beast power was Satan leading the Catholic Church to persecute God's church. Now, this will be an image of the beast, meaning just like it or similar to it, but it's going to be even worse. Civil and religious power. So not only will they be controlling what you can do uh, throughout your daily life, but also trying to dictate the uh, your conscious, your religious beliefs, your spiritual beliefs, which is something that God has never ordained any man to do. All of us have freedom of religion given to us by God. So who is man to think that he can take that from us? Now, these people are under strong de deception to unite with the civil power to persecute the saints, and they will do it. They'll unite together. It says the lamb-like power unites with the dragon in making war upon those who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Has anyone here online been persecuted for Christ's sake? Has anyone actually or personally been persecuted for the truth's sake? If you would like to share with us. I have. 
Okay, no. Anyone been persecuted? I can tell you I've been persecuted for uh, keeping the Sabbath. Uh, when I was at a different job, I would keep the Sabbath and I would refuse to work on Saturday. And my supervisor came and she tried to force me to work on Saturday, the Sabbath, and I refused to do it and uh, got into a big disagreement with her where she said, uh, uh, she was trying to force me to work on Saturday and she said something about God would want me to or something. And I asked her, I said, if, if God tells you to do something and the job tells you to do something different, who are you going to believe? And she said the job, <laughs> which I thought was, wow, you can really say that. And as a result, I didn't, I wasn't looked more favorably by her as any of the other employees, no matter what I did, I already knew it was out for me uh, because of what I believe. Anyone who's ever suffered persecution for believing God's truth? Uh, we can't really hear you. Anyone else? Okay, we're on page 146 in the book, Last Day Events. And I thought this was interesting. It says, in cases where we are brought before the courts, we're to give up our rights unless it brings us in collision with God, because it's not our rights that we're pleading for, but God's right to our service. So it's okay to do what they say as long as it does not conflict with the word of God. So if they say, hey, I want you to uh, stay in the house for two hours. Well, that doesn't conflict with God's uh, word. But if they say you can't worship God on the Sabbath, now that's a conflict. If they say we want you to go to church on Monday also, that's not a conflict. When they say, we want you to worship man, that is a conflict. So as long as it doesn't conflict with God's word, then there's no problem with it. It says on that Adventists, those who look for the coming of Christ will be treated with contempt. And who do you think is behind this treatment? I couldn't hear you. Yeah, he's the same one that's always been behind the persecution of God's people from the very beginning. Now, I thought this was interesting, too. It says wealth, wealthy people, genius, very smart people, education uh, organizations will combine to cover the Adventists with contempt. And then it says persecuting rulers, ministers, and church members will conspire against them by threats, ridicule, boasts, laws, seeking to overthrow their faith. Does that make you kind of mad that it says, and church members? How do you feel about that? Um, can, can you guys hear me? Yeah, yeah, we can hear you, Tori. Hey, praise the Lord. Uh, first of all, we when it is written, it says, and church members, we must understand that the Bible tells us that wheat and tares will put together, right? And then also in 2 Timothy chapter 3, it tells in the last days that there's going to be uh, people inside the church. The Bible calls it, they have a form of godliness, okay? So even though they're among us, doesn't mean that they're really with us. And as uh, Judas was uh, allowed to walk with Christ, but was he really with Christ? So we must understand, even in these readings, as the Spirit of the Prophet give us warnings, that the members of the church are just that, but they are not citizens of heaven where their names are written in the book of life because they hadn't really surrendered their all to Jesus Christ. I just wanted to point that out. Okay. Anyone else? And church members. 
you know, that, and that's a good point that Tori brings out in terms of uh, where they are spiritually. You know, also, when you're thinking of church members, unfortunately, if the church member is not faithfully uh, scripted, and meaning what I mean by that, that their experience has not allowed their faith to grow to the point that they can sustain, uh, that's when they turn against you too, because they're not strong. Um, it's interesting, even right now, as we're going through this period of coronavirus, you know, there are a lot of uh, members, I won't say necessarily Tabernacle Praise, but there are a lot of members, um, quote unquote, church members, be it Adventists or be it um, outside the church, because even as Tori was pointing out, I think he was looking more so towards the members of the Seventh-day Adventist family. But when you're talking about church members, church members is indicative of anybody that is supposedly believing in Christ, because as it says in the Bible also, he says, they too shall I bring, meaning that those that are not a part of this family right now will too come, but it's because of their faith. And it's not surprising. If you're not prayed up and, and, and firm in God, then you are going to fall prey uh, to the things that are happening. You're going to try to protect yourself with your own uh, powers. But And you know what else? In, in, in addition to that, at that time, in this same chapter, it says that there will be followers who have left and come back. So when you ask the question, how do you feel about church members turning you in? Well, just like Saul, who was later called, we never know what will transpire later after um, that one action. Maybe they will have a turn of heart later. So my my instance will be to pray for them. Hmm. How do we know who those church members are that are going to turn against you? We don't know. We don't know who's going to turn against yeah, um, I was going to say, Lee, that um, what's interesting is that, you know, as I think Tori mentioned it, that we didn't tear a row together. But uh, I remember it being said that your true character is revealed in times of crisis. And so we know that we know that uh, the separating time, I believe, is here. But, you know, it could still be coming to some extent where, um, you know, the sifting time, that's what I mean, the sifting time. Mm -hmm. and that uh, people are going to um, be, you, you know, we know the time is coming when those that obey the commandments of God are not going to be able to buy and sell and all that kind of stuff, and that money is going to be thrown in the streets. And I think that for those people who, who are not rooted and grounded, that time is going to be a time where self is going to really rise to the top and they're going to be promised things if they turn in other people, you know, so they're going to look at it like, well, I got to survive and I got to be able to get food stuff for my family. So, you know, I'm going to have to turn in those other people that I know about, you know, those, those few faithful ones that, that, you know, I know, uh, you know, keep showing up for church and keep, you know, showing up for prayer service and you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's going to be a sad time period, definitely, when those of your own family will be against you. Uh, Christ has already warned us about that. Our, our um, allegiance should be strictly to God, and we need to make a firm determination in our heart and ask for God's strength and courage to help us to make that decision when the time comes. It's also very interesting, too, that uh, all these different people will be conspiring against those who are keeping God's truth. Those who honor the Bible Sabbath will be denounced as enemies of the law and order, as if the law, as if those who are keeping God's Sabbath are breaking down moral restraints and causing anarchy and corruption, and even calling down the judgment of God upon the earth. It seems awfully strange that God would punish those who are keeping his word, right? But that's what people are going to be saying. And they have no uh, no issue no issue with punishing those who they think are doing wrong. In fact, those who are keeping God's truth will be looked at as traitors. Now, a while back, uh, we remember here in America that if you were considered a traitor or a terrorist, 
and they turned you over to Homeland Security, you were in a heap of trouble, right? You mm -hmm. had no rights and they could do anything they want to you. Lock you up as long as they want, torture you, punish you, jail you. They could do anything and there was no laws to help you. So can you imagine at that time when the same treatment is given out to Sabbath keepers, no rights, no uh, laws that you can look for to help you, and they can just do anything to a, a person. So the, the point being that don't be surprised when these things happen. We've seen things going on, but we don't need to be shocked because without God's love in people's hearts, human beings are capable of doing some really dastardly things because they're doing the deeds of their father, the devil. And these, um, I like to find, that we're talking about the little tiny trouble. It's not even the big tiny trouble. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's just something when we read the uh, book of Acts talking about Paul and the other apostles when they went about doing God's work, spreading the, the word of God, that they were beaten, they were stoned, they were cast into jail, spit upon, run out of town. So think about that. Think about the things that people did to them. And those people knew they had actually been with Christ. They were like his, his uh, posse, so to speak. And they still mistreated them. So it's not going to be a shock as to the things that people do to one another. It's just a sad state of affairs in, on the planet. Look over on uh, 148, page 148, every earthly support cut off. And Karen mentioned about how people will be thinking, I have to feed my family and take care of my family. Uh, let me ask you this question. When, let's see how phrases. When does money do you any good? Huh? Huh? When you can spend it. Right. Money is no good until you spend it. Right. <laughs> it doesn't do you any good sitting in the bank. You know, it, so as pointing out that hoarding wealth will be worthless. If you, if you have a trillion dollars, but during the time of trouble, uh, you're one of God's faithful. You're still not going to be able to buy or sell. <laughs> so a lot of good your trillion dollars is going to do unless you have the mark of the beast. So many people are saving and investing, which there's nothing wrong with that. But don't put your trust in that. Don't put your faith in money. Uh, even the money itself says in God we trust. So that's where our trust has to be. You know, it's so interestingly, because my husband and I were having a conversation this week about cryptocurrency mm -hmm. and um, how one person that he talked to said, well, no, you shouldn't get involved in that because all, that's all just, um, what'd you say? That's like internet money. Internet money or something, or not real, not real. Yeah, like monopoly. Not real, like monopoly money or something. And I was saying to him, well, you know, Ellen White does say that there will come a time when money will be thrown in the streets. And, you know, we're in this pandemic right now where we are at home. So the literal exchange of, of dollar bills and coins is not as relevant right now as, you know, you could go on to the Internet and order your groceries and pay with your card. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so cryptocurrency is something that could very well become the currency of the future because we may all be confined to our homes for a long time. I mean, not necessarily this pandemic, but something else may come that we are confined. Money to that You know what else is interesting to me as I was looking at that, because I thought about that too, but then at the, in the very next part of that, it says, <laughs> it says God's call for us now is to do all in our power to send forth the warning of the work in the world. Mm -hmm. so in other words, and, and as we know, there are still going to be people who are not necessarily God's people, but are good people per se. And so that message still can be sent out by means of individuals. Um, so those, those funds, Whatever, however they are, whatever they're being, however they're being used, God's saying right here, use it to glorify him to send this message further on out. Amen. 
Think about this too. Uh, you were talking about the cryptocurrency <laughs> being monopoly. Money. Well, even when you're playing monopoly, the money's worth something <laughs> while you're playing that game. So when we think of our own currency, U.S. dollars, who told us that it's worth anything? Mm. So tell us it was worth something. So with cryptocurrency, somebody's telling people it's worth something and people are falling in line, which then makes it worth something. Exactly. Right, right. You know, one Bitcoin is like 9000 some dollars right now just for one. Mm. You know, so you could buy a car with one, potentially buy a used car with one Bitcoin. Yeah. Very interesting. Lakita had a, a saying. What's your saying? I say you are. Oh, yeah. Well, um, my saying is, I say I am. And then uh, you say you are. Therefore, I am because you say I am. So, you know, and we see this like in our in our civilization, in our cultures, white people say I am, black people say you are, then they say, well, I am because you say I am. Like that Bitcoin, I remember that stuff coming out, it was like junk for real. Now, all of a sudden, they didn't, they didn't, they're more valuable than the dollar. That's crazy. It's really how life goes. Think about uh, Amazon. Amazon was in business for like 20 years and never made a profit. So people are like, that piece of junk company, now look at it. You just never know what's going to happen in the future again, which is why we don't place our faith on future of man. We place our faith in God's future. And you know what is interesting? You spoke about Amazon, Lee. Right now, Amazon is like racking up big bucks because people aren't going out. They're just ordering in. And so mm -hmm. like people who did it a little bit before, now it's like every day this package is being delivered almost. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, nobody's going out. You had mentioned about fear of uh, food and, and clothing, uh, Karen. So yeah, people will be uh, threatened if you don't do this, if you don't follow our laws, you're not gonna be, not gonna be able to eat. You won't be able to take care of your family which is another trick that the devil has. That's his plan for forcing people to follow him. You know, his plan is that the whole earth is under his dominion. Uh, let's go over to page 149. It says, some will be imprisoned because they refuse to desecrate the Sabbath of the Lord. Uh, if you've ever been in jail or in prison, it's not a fun place to be, not even for a few hours. I mean, you're just restricted in everything you can do. You got people uh, handcuffed. You're in handcuffs. You're in shackles. You got to move when they say move. You got to eat when they say eat. You know, and there's a lot of violence and things going on even there. But when the choices comes up, you either go to jail or denounce God. It's going to be a tough choice. So how, what do we need to do to make the choice not as tough as it could be? Any ideas? Because it's definitely going to be a tough decision. How do we make the decision not so tough when that time comes? Study, have a relationship with God. Study, pray, have a relationship with God. Anything else we can do to make sure that decision's not as hard as it seems or it could be? Well, it's like Lakita said, you know, we have to cultivate a daily walk with him so that when that time comes, we are, we know, and like the, like the three Hebrew boys, our God is able to save us. But even if he doesn't, we're going to still be faithful and loyal to him. Okay. I think also, Lee, one of the things that when you talk about cultivating faith, it's a daily walk with the Lord, meaning that in everything that you do, you need to be able to look at it and say, hey, this wasn't of me. This was of God, because that grows your faith. Um, I think about every day when I go out to work and I know I'm in a, I'm in a situation where. What was this? Go ahead. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Go ahead, Percy. 
But yeah, every day that I go out, you know, I'm praying, sincerely praying, because I know that walking into that den is a place where that virus can be anywhere, you know, but because of my faith and trust in God, I know that I'm protected. But at the same time, Karen, I agree with you. Even when I go in there, I, I, and I tell my wife this all the time, if it's God's will that should happen to me, then I'm still going to be prayed up and know that I, it didn't happen because he didn't care. He allowed it for whatever purpose, whatever reason, which is just going to make me even that much stronger, live or die. But I have to grow each and every day through each and every experience that I have with him. So this is my question, Lee, reading this chapter. Mm -hmm. And I probably already know the answer, but I'm just going to throw it out there. Are there going to be martyrs made during the little time of trouble? Because I know there won't be any during the, the, the real time of trouble. But during the little time of trouble, will there be martyrs? Well, Percy led us right up to that point. You know, really, it's, it's at the uh, bottom of page 149. It says that many will be put to death. But as, as he said, if it so comes to that, we know that that's the best that God has seen fit to do. And in fact, it says in that paragraph, if God would have us to be martyrs for the truth's sake, it may be the means of bringing many more into the truth. When we look back on the history of the uh, Reformation martyrs, every time the devil killed one of the martyrs, it was like spreading fertilizer on the seed of the Christian church. He thought it was going to stop the church, but every time another person was martyred, more and more people kept joining the church, God's true church. So again, God knows that if that's the best thing to bring more people into the fold to be saved, then that will be what he allowed to happen. There's just no guarantees on, uh, there's no guarantees on how destructive and how evil mankind can be without the love of God in their heart. And then it also goes on to say also in that, that particular uh, paragraph, it says, we are not to have the carriage and fortitude of martyrs of old until brought. In other words, you're going to be brought, but it says until brought into the position they were in. But here's the glory of all of that. Even when you're brought into that position, it says, should there be a return of persecution, there would be grace given to arouse every energy of the soul to show a true hurt here heroism. In other words, God is going to give you the strength if you have already cultivated your relationship with him in such a matter, and he's going to give you the power and the courage to overcome. He's not telling you just go out there and be a martyr. He says, but when that does come, you're prepared. You know, so. Very good. I don't think too many of the martyrs actually chose that <laughs> right. as, as the first thing they wanted to do was I'm going to die, go out here and die. But as you pointed out, Percy, we never know where God's going to lead us. That's why we got to get into the frame of mind and heart to trust him no matter what he calls us to do. Because if he does call us, just say we were talking about moving out to the country. If you hear the voice of God calling you to move, you have to have faith to move. He's trying to protect us from something. He's trying to prevent further harm. He's trying to lead people to the cross of Christ. And it's the same way if he leads you to a position where you may be martyred, you have to have that faith and determination to know that he's going to give you the courage to withstand whatever happens. Nobody wants to be martyred, I don't think. But when it happens because you're standing up for the truth, the bigger issue is standing up for the truth. And God will give you the faith and the courage to do it. Uh, sometimes people say, oh, I don't, if you're in this certain situation, what would you do? You don't know until you're in that situation, because right now we can look at it from over here and say, oh, yeah, I would do this and I would do that. But when you get in the situation is what really happens. And you don't know which way you would go at this point. But we also always have to be prayed up and know that God is always on our side, no matter what happens. Amen. Amen. And we must let, look. oh, there's a part on 150 I thought was interesting says men will be required to render obedience to human edicts in violation of divine law. Those who are true to God will be menaced, denounced, proscribed, 
And that's going to happen from their parents, brethren, kins, folks, and friends, even to the point of death. You know how people say, uh, so-and-so is my best friend forever? Maybe, maybe not. Depends on when that point in time comes. But, but again, our allegiance is to Jesus Christ. Amen. Any other person, no other man. And we should let go of, all, be willing to let go of all hands except the hand of Christ. Amen. Amen. Let's look over on 151. It says the only way in which men or women, of course, will be able to stand firm in the conflict, conflict is to be rooted and grounded in Christ, receive the truth as it is in Jesus, the preaching of Christ crucified, Christ our righteousness is what satisfies the soul's hunger. And when we secure the interest of the people in this great central truth, faith and hope and courage come to the heart. What does it mean to you to be rooted and grounded in Christ? Anyone? What does that mean to you personally? Hey. I think me, about... Uh, make go ahead. Go ahead, Karen. Oh, okay. I think about uh, Elder Brown, and he would always say, um, stand for the right, though the heavens may fall. Mm -hmm. And... I think to be rooted and grounded in Christ is first of all to know the truth, second of all to believe the truth, third of all to obey the truth. Mm. Interesting. Anyone else? Where, it goes, where it goes back to chapter five in, in the book in chapter five when it talks you know the devotion life of the remnant and when you go back and review uh, hey, page 64 you'll us you know uh she indicates that unless uh-huh yeah Tori, move yourself yeah. On, again yeah move yourself yeah. on away from your uh left or turn off your wi-fi it's interfering with your sound just move my cell phone for Okay. Can you hear me now? Can you hear yeah, me now, clear? Much better. Thanks. Okay. Much better? Okay. Yeah. Uh, what I was saying is, uh, uh, we at being rooted and firm, firmly rooted. I think we just lost you again, Tori. Okay, well, uh, he's working on his phone. Uh, in Christ, uh, we go back to talk about, you know, if you look on page 64, you know, uh, wise counsel, but, wow, just lost me again. Looks off. Can you guys hear me now? Yeah, we Is can that hear better? you, but then but you then went you out, went so. Out. Can't even hear the sound. Yeah, now, tell us. Okay. What I'm saying is that uh, in chapter five of the book, uh, uh, the devotion life of the remnant, we talk about being firmly rooted in this. Um, you know, she says that unless we are, unless we become vitally connected, that's one thing. It's, uh, she also said that um, without being vitally connected with the Lord, you know, through the surrender of ourselves to him, um, yeah, I think we lost Tori again. Lakita, did you have something to say? Rooted and grounded. Is he I think he will now. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I think I'm saying he, what he was saying, I, I'm agreeing with that we have to be connected. And the way we are we are connected is we really have to have a living experience with God. We actually have to have a relationship. Um I have to be able to talk directly to God as to a friend and uh, share with him everything, not just ask for stuff, but just share my life with him and do the things, go on the errands that he sends me on. Study, understand, get to know who he is and what he's like, because that's what we're supposed to be like. You know, we can't be like something we don't know what it is. So really, it's, it's to me, it's like just have 
a relationship. And when you think about a relationship, what do you do with your friends? How do you talk to your friends? You know, um, what kind of things, you know, he even says, come, let us reason together. Sometimes when your friends have disagreements, and so you have to go to your friend and you say, wait a minute, what happened here? Because, you know, I didn't like the way this happened. So, hey, Tori, um, the stuff on your Wi-Fi is interfering. So you have to kind of turn off um, everything with your Wi-Fi on, especially your phones. So turn the Wi-Fi off on your phones. And that will help your, your signal to be stronger. Also, another thing about being rooted and grounded, if you um, are digging a fence post and you put the fence post in the ground uh, and you don't pack it in there good, it's going to wobble and waver and fall down. But if you put it in there with dirt and cement where it's rooted and grounded, then it cannot be moved. So that's how we are to be with Christ's word, regardless of what other people may say or what situations may come up. We are firmly planted in the word of God, and we believe God's word, no matter what situation may say or what other people may say. One of our uh, future chapters talks about the deceptions of Satan. We have to be rooted and grounded because the devil's deceptions are going to be really good, so much that even the very elect uh, could be lost. So we have to be aware of that and know that we have to study God's word, pray for enlightenment, Pray for the faith of the righteous that we will not be moved by any deception. That's the only way we'll make it. Lee, um, let me say something about mm -hmm. deception. So at work, there is an exercise that they do every now and then, maybe every quarter, and it's for fishing. If anybody knows anything about fishing, fishing with computers is an exercise where people will try to send you something to get you to click on something in email. And what mm -hmm. they do is they, they form an email that really looks authentic. Mm -hmm. It really, really looks okay. like the real company is, is, is uh, wanting you to look at their product. And really it's, uh, it's a form of a hacking exercise and somebody really wants to get some information from you. So one day my, um, my boss said, you know, we need to order you a new computer in the next couple of weeks or maybe next couple of months. So be looking out around June because we're going to be uh, needing to get you upgraded for your laptop. So one day in June, I got an email and it looked like it was from HP. And it said, uh, your new computer uh, could be on its way soon if you just pick which one you want. Click this link. Well, without me really paying attention to the email and knowing it was from outside, I clicked it, and to my amazement and disappointment, a message came up and said, got you. You failed the fishing exercise. <laughs> so I'm sitting there wondering myself, how is it that I failed this exercise? Well, it made sense to me. My boss told me I was to do a new computer, and someone that did a fishing um, exercise sent something talking about a new computer. And so it all fit, but I was deceived by something that made sense to me. And mm -hmm. so based on what you were just talking about, the devil is going to bring some stuff that makes sense to all, to us. But if we take it by the word of God, it won't. But I think a, a, where we fail is we're looking at our own intellect and the mm -hmm. devil will use that to, to deceive us. And we got to be careful. Another thing too about... Um, Deceit is like, I don't know how to say it, but as we look at the homosexuality stuff, now that stuff been around for a long time, you know, they just keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. And now it's at a place where, you know, it's, it's accepted by everyone, is, um, you know, there are laws that protect them, um, and it's, in, it's, getting, it's in our kids' curriculum. By the time my children, especially my grandchildren, you know, and they go through school if they go through school. This is going to be normal life for them. It's yeah. Anything wrong with it. And if we, you know, parents' jobs are much different from oh, the parents' back in the day job because it was kind of normal to a uh, married couple was a man and a woman. And now it's almost too as if, if you say anything against homosexuality, 
then you are uh, being, you are- Considered a hate crime. Yeah, right? yeah. Hate speech, yeah. Yeah, and that you're discriminating, you know, sexual discrimination and stuff. There, So you can see working through the laws is another way of just bringing in um, deception because that really is, you know, our kids, I can't, I just feel sorry for kids. People are sending little boys to school in dresses and little girls to school, you know, look like looking like a little boy. And then like in private schools, they're catching it because they're like, no, they can't come. Looking at it, um, they and stuff, that. so. You can join, show them the join. You can send it to them. I'm sorry. That's just too bad. It's sad, but as was pointed out, the devil's not gonna come to us with a blatant lie because we would catch that, but he'll slide in with part of the truth and part of a lie. Like he asked Eve, did God say you couldn't eat of it or touch it? You're not really going to die. You know, she had heard part of it and she's like, well, okay, I'm listening. I'm listening. And once the devil gets your ear listening, he can keep putting his uh, tricks into your mind. But a blatant lie, if you say it enough, people will accept it as the truth. Just like, just like we see with this, you know, gay marriage is just, you know, uh, two people have a right to be happy. You know, you do have a right to, I, now I don't know if you have a right to be happy. You, you can be happy or you can be miserable. It's your choice, you know, but I don't know that there's a, a legal right to your joy and happiness. But people will, people have, if you say it long enough, people will believe it and accept it. It even says that they will believe a lie. The Costanza effect, Andre, is not a lie if you believe it. <laughs> now look at uh down here where it says on 151 persecution scatters God's people again we had talked about moving to the country and uh it says it may become necessary for God's people to move from those places to places where they would not be so bitterly opposed God does not require his children to remain whereby the course of wicked men their influence is made of no effect and their lives endangered. So it's okay to move when liberty and life are imperiled. It's not merely our privilege, it is our positive duty to go to places where the people are willing to hear the word of life and where opportunities for preaching the word would be more favorable. So don't think you that, oh, I don't wanna bail out or I'm being a chicken and I'm running. Go where the Holy Spirit's leading you. Don't worry about what other people are gonna think. Our duty, as long as we're alive, is to spread the gospel message. So if that means I'm going to have to leave where I'm at to go to a more favorable place and God's leading me there, then that's not only my privilege, but it's actually our duty, uh, servant of the Lord says. So uh, we have to be very careful of listening to other people. There are some real, very persuasive people uh, on TV, at your job, in your neighborhood, and if you just rely upon your own knowledge, as someone has said, you're going to be tricked. We have to be firmly rooted and grounded in the true word of God, the Holy Bible, and not just our own human thinking, because we're going to make a lot of mistakes. We, our, our lives have already proven that to be true. Anyone else? Uh, Paula is on, and uh, she just sent me a text that says Isaiah 520. And it says, they say that what is right is wrong and what is wrong is right, that black is white and white is black, bitter is sweet, is bitter sweet and sweet is bitter. Is she talking about 45? <laughs> <laughs> well, That's his motto. There would be a much uh, longer list than that if you're talking about 45. <laughs> yeah, just like uh, this uh, last thing where they're trying to bl blame Obama for the pandemic now. I mean, just... Just make up stuff, you know? And there are some people who will believe it because they want to believe it. So we have to be very careful. Thanks for that scripture, Paula. Uh, so also self-denying efforts will be put forth to save the lost and many who have strayed from the fold will come back. I think Christina had mentioned that too. In view of the common peril strife for supremacy will cease. There will be no disputing as to who should be accounted the greatest. It's very interesting. Uh, Sometimes God le allows things to happen, situations to come up so that we can see his power in our lives. If uh, I like what Pastor Hunter has said, 
you don't know that God is all you need until God is all you have. So sometimes we're put in situations where we have to trust God because there's nothing else for us to trust in. And that's all God's part of God's plan so that we can see his power at work in our lives and so that others will see his power in our lives as well and learn to depend upon him as our deliverer as well. To the very last end, uh, says, for a time the oppressors will be permitted to triumph over those who know God's holy commandments. Why do you think the oppressors will be permitted to triumph? What is that about? Psalm 103. Well, we know that, uh, you know, because I, I remember being in a Bible class years ago with um, Mitchell, Elder Mitchell, Henry mm -hmm. Mitchell over at Northside. And I asked him the question, I said, why didn't God just destroy the devil when he sinned? And the answer to that was because everyone had, everything had to play out to see that God was fair and that, um, and that he, his, his way was the right way. Excellent. Yeah, I think it goes back um, as we were talking earlier, how do we overcome these various things? And I like the, the example you gave with the, the planting of putting the poles into the ground and cementing it. And I'll take you to the, that, that next step where it talks about cultivating. Uh, when you are planting a garden, as we all know, of course, you got your seed, you got your, for, your soil, your, your ground, but then there's work that comes behind it, that nurturing. And that nurturing requires the watering and the feeding of more food. Thus is the Holy Spirit. When we are cultivated by the Spirit of God and moved by the Spirit of God, of course, God allows these things to go on. But because you're so full of his word, you begin to see things. You begin to see patterns. You begin to understand lies. You begin to see murderous acts. You begin to see everything clearly because now you're looking at it with a clear eye. You're not looking through it through the lenses of your own uh, selfish, holy, selfish spirit, but you're looking through the lens of the Holy Spirit. And so when we're talking about that, we're, we, we need to be cultivated so that we truly understand what is transpiring right before our eyes. Mm, amen. Has anyone ever had uh, or been on a, uh, any kind of a sports team where you had to really scratch and scrape to win the game or whatever? Or have you ever been, well, Percy, uh, you were in the service, so I know that you guys went on different maneuvers. And when you go through something together, it helps you to bond together, to be a real team uh, depending on one another. And it's going to be the same way with the time of trouble. God's people are going to have, are going to learn to depend upon one another so much so that there will be a unified effort to spread the message. And nobody's going to be worried about who's getting all the glory and whose name's going to be up on the church uh, billboard or whatever, but that everyone is moving forward, serving God in the beauty of holiness. And when you go through some tough times, like they say, tough times don't last, but tough people do. So when you come through something with your spouse or friends or family, it brings you closer together as a more tight knit unit so that you can face uh, future adversities a lot better. So God's allowing these things to happen so that we as a church family grow closer together and that we can continue to be on the battlefield as a tight unit serving God and, and pressing forward with his word. Even so much that uh, when we think about the pandemic, it's really terrible that people are dying and people are getting sick. And Percy, you had pointed out that uh, during sad school, even though the person gets over the virus, they still suffer some effects. So even now with this pandemic doing all these things, it's allowing us opportunity to draw closer, just like being here online. How many people would have thought we would be online? How many people would have thought they would uh, dial into a prayer meeting? But it's just another way of bringing us closer and also letting us see how much or how much do we really want to know about God? How mm -hmm. Close do we really want to be to him? Do we really want to be prepared or do we just want to play church on Sabbath afternoons, uh, you know, at the building? It's, it's making us realize that church is not the building, it's the people. 
It has always been the people and it will continue to be the people. When we're out in the wilderness, we're not gonna have a building to worship in. We won't have anything. It'll just be the church in the wilderness and the church again is the people, a tight knit, a tight knit unit, still trusting and believing in God and his holy word. All tests and trial comes that God's people may gain deeper piety and more strength to carry the triumphs of the cross to all parts of the world. Uh, the last paragraph points out on 154, says afflictions, crosses, temptation, adversity, and varied trials, which we all go through, are God's workmen to refine us, sanctify us, and fit us for the heavenly garner. So as Paul said, I embrace trial and tribulation if it brings forth the peaceable love of Christ in me. So each of us needs to be thinking that way as well. Well, uh, count it all joy, James says. Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptation. All of us go bring forth the peaceable fruit of righteousness, which allows us to be uh, to rule with God in heaven forever. Amen. Amen. Count it all joy. I know we're all going through stuff. There's more stuff that we will go through, but count it all joy because God sees fit in, in everyone that He. Uh, brings trials too. He sees something in us that he wants to shine and polish so there will be bright jewels for his kingdom. Uh, Karen, which, uh, which chapter are we on next week? Uh, we're on chapter 63 of volume one of Testimonies for the Church. 63 in volume one. Okay, mm -hmm. praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Anybody have any announcements or special prayer requests? Yes, could you pray for my daughter Kendra, Kenda, and Donovan because she got uh, she was working at home and then they laid them off. So she's planning. I think the end of the month she'll be moving back to Indi Indiana. Oh, okay. Glad you're and on, Patsy. She, yeah, she hopes that the job that she applied for in Indianapolis will open up. So just keep her and my grandson in prayer. Okay, Tori, are you still on? Thank you. Clocked out. Okay. Anyone else with special prayer requests? Um, my prayer is just, uh, and it's been remaining the same, that the Lord protect us through this pandemic, but also that he um, put it into it, mm. you know, and but, you know, we know through prophecy that these sort of things are going to start happening. We don't know exactly what the things will be, but we know that, they, that they're going to be happening. And um, but still, and yet we know that God is still exercising mercy and grace. Amen. Any other special prayer requests? I will uh, like a prayer request that we will all. Um, come into a closer relationship with God uh, during this pandemic and then afterwards, and then we will come out on fire serving the Lord. Amen. Paula, if you have a prayer request, just type it in for Karen to read it to us. Percy? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, um, my prayer request is that we continue to study God's word and continue to grow. Uh, these, these, these studies are fruitful and they're fulfilling. Uh, the Sabbath School Court has just been phenomenal uh, in that it's given me a different perspective. So I'm asking God to really use that to help me to reflect on not just the word itself, but the whole context, language, everything, because it gives me a fuller understanding of what's being said. Okay. Alvina has a prayer request that she typed in, and it is for her children to go grow closer to God. Amen. Alvina, for our children to grow closer. Thanks for being on, Alvina. Is Tori still on? I see his name, but I don't know. Um, I don't know. Cherie is watching. Jossie's watching. So I don't know if they have any prayer requests. Oh, Paul Harris is asking for family healing, the latter rain, and direction in ministry. Amen. Latter rain, family healing, direction in ministry. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
And I'm asking for special prayer to, uh, for courage and faith to continue on in spite of trial and tribulation as we've been reading about, to stand strong for the Lord. Okay, and Omil is asking for, um, asking the Lord to help him be heaven bound and not just now, but for eternity. Amen. Amen. Okay. If there's no more requests at this time, Wes, uh, okay. Was there another request? Okay, if not, we'll ask Lakita to offer a special prayer for us. Most honorable, loving Father in heaven, we are just grateful for another Sabbath day. We thank you, Father, that you have brought us through a week of COVID-19 and we're still healthy and we just praise your holy name for that. We know that it's not anything that we've done, but your grace and mercy that have covered us, dear Lord. Dear Father, we uh, ask first of all that you clear the highway between everyone on the line and all those who are requesting prayer, between us and them, between us and you, so that our prayers will be accepted before your sight, dear Lord, that they will be answered. And if there's anything that prevents us from hearing your voice, and I mean, from hearing your voice and direction and from receiving the blessings that you so um, lovingly want to give us, we ask that you would reveal those things to us and Give us the courage, the strength, and the power to overcome, Lord, and to um, so that we may receive the blessings that you want to give us. And Lord, we turn our eyes and minds to those things that have been put before us, laid out on the altar for you, Lord. We ask that Pessy's daughter will have a, a employment when she gets to Indiana, and that she will um, grow in grace and spirit. Let her not take her hands out of your hands, dear Lord. We ask that as a church, we will all grow together. We we'll all grow closer to God and study God's words. And that our family members, like Alvina's children, and I know that Karen didn't mention it, but her children, she said it all the time. I know that Percy didn't say it, but his wife and kids. And I know that um, Tori may not have mentioned it, but I know that his family, we know that our whole church family, Lord, the, the seems like the, the um, flock has been scattered, but Lord, we know that you are a good God and a wonderful God. We ask that. I put before you, Paula, she may not have requested it, but I know that she cares for her family and children and um, nieces and nephews and cousins and aunts, people whom she are praying for and laboring for, Lord. We ask for your divine healing and touch, your mercy and your grace upon each and every uh, family member. We ask for, uh, um, on behalf of Paul, he asked for his family healing and also for direction of ministry. Yes, this have thrown, um, we may have had plans before, but now, Lord, we have to rethink everything. But, Lord, we're just grateful for this opportunity that we are being drawn closer to you. Lord, we just praise your holy name that this epidemic is showing us what we're made of as Christians and that how we will seek out to be together and to serve and to pray and to uh, talk about your scriptures and you, Lord. Even in a time where we are, some people would say we would not have this opportunity. So we also thank you for the internet, you know, that we are able to come together and continue on. And we ask for courage and faith, Lord, to move when you say move. Give us diligence. Help us to trust you, dear Father, and not to be afraid of anything. Help us not to serve the God of fear, anxiety, depression, sadness, frustration, aggravation, irritation, and just downright madness, dear Lord. We ask that you would give us a clean and pure mind so that we will be able to hear and discern your voice and move accordingly. And Lord, we thank you so much for our meal, reminding all of us to be heaven bound. Help us all to be heaven bound. Let us all be, when we get there, we will see each other and we will just praise each other, praise you, Lord, for each other, that we have been a help, each person here, helping the other person to make a better choice and to desire to be stronger, Lord. Now, Lord, as we go about our separate ways, let us depart from each other, but never from your presence or your face, Lord. Let the spirit of God, your grace and your uh, kindness, your goodness and your mercy cover us, this Lord. And Lord, help when we leave off this phone and we interact with our families, let everybody know that we have been with you these few moments. And we just thank you so much for this time. And we, will, we look forward to the time when we will praise and, um, and sing praises to you in heaven and throughout eternity. In the name of Jesus, we pray and praise you always. Amen. 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 Thanks for everybody tuning in. Remember to invite some other members for uh, next week as well as for a prayer meeting. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Is anybody doing something special this evening?
Elder Carol, I have a question. I still don't have that book that you had us to be studying <laughs> from. Patsy, I got your book right here, but we got put on social distance so I can mail it. Right. Okay, thank you. You want to give me your address? Yeah, you want to do that after? You want to do it now? Yeah, if you don't mind, I'll write it okay, down. Okay. Uh, no, Lee, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, I think you should do that uh, through a text message or something and not okay. over the right. internet. Oh, Let me okay. write down your phone number. We forgot we was on the internet. <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll send it to you, Lee. I'll send it to you. I'll send it to you. Karen, would you call me later when you get a chance? Sure. On my home home line? Sure. Uh, we have one viewer, Lee, uh, Glenn Mike, that asked for prayer for healing. So let's just keep him in mind, everyone, as we close out. Okay. Thanks for Glenn Mike, yeah. prayer for healing. Anything else? Um, no, that's it. All right. Well, thanks for everybody tuning in. Be blessed and stay safe. All right. All right. All right. Amen. Bye bye. All right. Bye.